blended love. Amen. Love lessons or life lessons from what I would call the Bible's first family. Most important family in my estimation in the Bible. John chapter 19. John chapter 19. We'll read two verses and you can be seated after we read these. Jesus is on the cross. These are some of his very last recorded words. Hanging there on the cross, he looks down and he sees his mother and he sees the apostle John. The writer of the book of John simply calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. The disciple whom Jesus loved. Verse 26, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. Amen. I want to introduce you to a love story. Maybe you've never seen it as a love story before as you've read the account of Jesus' birth. But I want to introduce you to what I think is one of the greatest love stories ever told. And we get some hints on what blended love really looks like through this family. Here we see Jesus, even in his death, blending families together. Causing love to be blended together. Amen. Would you just lift your voice in prayer right now and ask God to open our hearts and our minds this morning. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being in your glorious presence. And to feel the great, great love of Christ that cannot be measured. We thank you so much for this understanding of your word. And we ask you to bless in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. I don't know about in your household, but in, in my house we have a kitchen appliance called a blender. And uh, many mornings my solitude gets broken by the sound of that blender. <laughs> Blending things together. I remember... Uh, Several years ago, when Carolyn and I first were married, we were in our home in Sherwood, brand new home, and uh, I was in the kitchen blending up something for breakfast in the blender. Spinach leaves and blueberries and strawberries and bananas, maybe a little yogurt, I don't know. It was purple in color. And uh, you know how it happens that when you're blending stuff, stuff gets stuck to the side of that container, right? And you, you need to push it down. And so I was uh, endeavoring to do that and blend at the same time. <laughs> do not try this at home. <laughs> My spoon got caught in the blades of that blender which then flipped it out of my hand and then purple stuff all over the ceiling, all over me, all over the counter. Uh, we probably were finding purple stuff to the day that we moved out of that house. 
uh, because of that incident. You know, there are some things that just do not blend together very well, right? Kind of like oil and water. Uh, you parents have said this you know, to your children, don't stick that fork in that electrical outlet. That just doesn't work well together. Don't put, I don't know why they have to do this. I guess it's because somebody tried it. Uh, but in the manual of toaster ovens, I've heard that uh, there's a warning. Do not use this in the bathtub. <laughs> I don't know. Some things just don't work together, right? Don't blend. You know, uh, if you've ever heard of a type of a blender called a blend tech, you may have uh, watched some of the videos that the founder of this company put out on YouTube, and it was just simply this question, will it blend? Will it blend? And there's videos of this man blending cell phones into just dust. He's trying to demonstrate the power of his blender. Marbles, a bag full of marbles in a blender. He blends it into a white glass powder. iPhones, Amazon Echo, I'm sure some of you would like to sometimes blend <laughs> that. But there's just simply things that we shouldn't put in a blender, right? Like tools, utensils, spoons, forks. Some of the manuals say, do not blend things that have bones in them. Like, again, people, somebody has tried this. Nuts or beans or rocks, don't blend those in blenders. You see, there are some things that just won't blend, but there are some things that we love to blend, right? Like smoothies. Amen. How many of you wake up to a, a morning smoothie? That's your breakfast, a smoothie. And you know, sometimes those smoothies don't turn out too smooth, do they? There's some lumps still left in them. This is the nature of families and life, right? Sometimes there's some lumps that uh, as, as try as we might, things just do not blend very well sometimes. I want to ask you to stand if this fits you this morning because we are obviously talking about blended families. Uh, you are a step-parent or you have a step-parent. Would you please stand? You're a step-parent. Or you have a step-parent this morning. Amen. We honor you this morning. Amen. You uh, have step-siblings. Remain standing, if you would. All through this process, if you'll just remain standing. Uh, you have step-siblings. Or you have half-siblings, if we would, can call it that. All right? You are an adoptive or a foster parent. You are an adopted or foster parent. Amen. You are an adopted or foster child. Would you stand? Everybody keep standing. If you stood, just keep standing. Amen. You can see the blending that the Lord is doing in this church. Amen. Uh, you have children in your home that are not biologically yours. Uh, if you haven't already stood, would you stand? You're raising children, maybe uh, not legally. You've not adopted them, but you're raising them. You're pouring your life into these children. Uh, you have close step-relatives, like a step-grandparent or a step-uncle or aunt or cousins. Would you stand? All right. And this last one, or next two, probably should get everybody. You have in-laws 
You have in-laws, what some people call outlaws, right? I mean, you have in-laws, are you, uh, your parents have in-laws, would you stand? You have in-laws, are your parents have in-laws? Amen. Okay, the last one. You're breathing, would you please say? You're breathing. Amen. I think that's got everybody. Do we notice anybody that's not breathing in the building this morning? Yeah, so here, here's a simple truth. Whether you're a, a classic uh, family, a nuclear family, uh, or you're a blended family, uh, we are all trying to blend, aren't we? Really, this is a nature of life. We're all trying to blend together. And uh, may the grace of God help us to do so. We honor you. God bless you. You can be seated. We certainly want to give honor to all of our blended families in this building this morning. Thank you. Thank you so much for sticking with it. Thank you for being the kind of people that brings your family to church, tunes into uh, teaching and preaching so that you can help blend your family better. We honor you this morning. Carolyn and I are a blended family with our children and our grandchildren. In 2005, we, we married. Uh, my first marriage ended in a divorce, and her uh, marriage to her first husband ended because of a tragic accident, a construction ac accident. And I feel like the Lord brought us together. So I want to give honor to my sweet wife this morning, Carolyn. She is a great, a great lady. Amen. She helped raise my boys, and I thank God for her. She is certainly a Proverbs 31 lady, and I give her honor. To me, Carolyn, you are so beautiful. You are. Not only physically, but in spirit, and uh, the way she does things and handles her life, I honor her. I want to take your attention to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, and we'll pick out some verses uh, from Matthew chapter 1, we'll also look at Matthew chapter 2. We'll turn in a few moments to Luke chapter 1 as well. We're going to look at what is normally uh, looked at for Christmas, the Christmas story. But I think this Christmas story, and uh, may I call it uh, a love story this morning, gives us some points on how we uh, who are blending families together, no matter what the dynamics are, that we, some things we can learn about blended love and how love can work in our lives and in our homes. Because we got to understand, folks, if you don't know it already, let me, let me wake you up to the fact that we have an enemy who wants to destroy our homes. We have an enemy who wants to make us think that, that God can't be in marriage, that God's not for marriage, and that somehow we can't have a peaceful home and a home full of love, a home dedicated to God. I'm here to de declare to you that we are at war, and we need to understand that and, and, and live in a manner that shows that we understand understand that we, we are at war, a cultural war that wants to tell us that marriage is not honorable, sure. that homes always split apart, and there's nothing uh, good about a family. I'm here to declare to you that God wants our homes to be blessed. 
that blessing, that song that we, we just sang just a few moments ago is certainly scriptural. And it is something that we as families should claim for ourselves and for our children, for those that we care about. We should understand and accept the blessings of the Lord in our lives. It's not arrogance. It's just understanding that God wants to do something in our homes. He wants to bless our homes. He wants to strengthen our homes. He wants to blend us together. As tough as it might be, he wants to blend us together. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. So I offer strength to all of our families here this morning from this first family that we find in the Bible, and what I might call the most important family in the Bible, the book of the genealogy, or the family tree, if you want to say it that, that way, of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, this is not why Matthew mentions these two Old Testament characters, but I did take note that both David and Abraham had blended families. They had blended families, blended love. So Matthew seems to be answering this question, what kind of family did Jesus have? What kind of family was he raised up in? And he gives us this genealogy of Jesus. And he's pointing out that this is a royal line, not only a line that traces back to Abraham, but a line that traces back to David, giving Jesus the right to sit upon the throne of Israel. And by that right, he is called the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So it's a royal line. We can recognize that. But also, as you look through this genealogy, you have to, you have to admit that it's not only a royal line, but it is a royal mess. Some of you understand that. I know I understand it. I heard a gentleman say this morning that his family resembled the Jerry Springer type of family. <laughs> and this is where we find ourselves sometimes, right? Life gets messy within the framework of the lineage of Jesus. We have people like Judah, Jacob, Tamar. Rahab, who, as the Bible introduces us, us to this lady in the Old Testament, calls her Rahab the harlot within the bloodline of Jesus. Ruth, who was a Moabitess, grafted into the family of Jesus. It even mentions, Matthew even mentions David and Bathsheba's sinful relationship and has the, uh, the audacity to call the name of the man whose life was cheated and taken because of that adulterous relationship right there in the bloodline of Jesus. It was a royal mess. I want to give hope to somebody whose home has been broken by the sin of others and maybe even your own sin. God is in the business of putting life back together. 
His love, as Pastor mentioned last Sunday, is unending. It is a love that doesn't have any conditions. It's unconditional reaching to every single one of us. Thank God for the fact that God is reaching us. And he doesn't look at us and say, oh, I'm going to discard you. He's calling us to himself so that he might redeem us and bless our homes and bless our lives. Not only was it a royal family, a royal bloodline, and a royal mess, but within the framework of this family, we see people like Abraham, whose faith in God is strong. We see people uh, like Jacob, who, whose life was turned around by his commitment to God. We see people like David, even though he fell uh, into sin, he knew how to repent and go back to God and find himself in God's presence. We see people like Rahab. And Ruth, Ruth who said to her mother-in-law, your people will be my people and your God will be my God. These are the kind of people who understood and understand like people who sit on these chairs this morning who are listening and watching this broadcast this morning. People who have said, I will be a person of faith. I will put my faith in God. I will look to him for, for direction for my life. I will understand that he is the only sovereign and he is the only royalty. And I will look to him for direction. This is the kind of family that Jesus was born into, a royal line a royal mess and people who especially people who understood that God is sovereign amen settle that in your heart this morning would you please God is sovereign he's sovereign and he's good and he's working in your life on your behalf he will help you to blend your family so I see in this royal family of Jesus, this love story of Joseph and Mary, I see three things that will help us blend our families together. The first thing that we see in the life of this couple is the willingness and the choice to do right things. The Bible calls Joseph a just man, a just man, a righteous man. Verse 18 tells us, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, this is a term we could, we could uh, use engaged, but that's a little too light because this kind of betrothal was, was strong. It was uh, like marriage except that there was no sexual relationship within the betrothal period. And in order to, to end this betrothal, there had to be legal documents filed. There had to be a divorce. So it was a very strong commitment. He was betrothed to, uh, Mary was betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child. Now I'd like for you to, if you've got your Bible open, or if, you're, if the scripture's on the screen, would you just put your hand up over that phrase of the Holy Ghost? Because Joseph did not know this yet. He had no clue what was going on. He had no uh, a way to understand what was happening in Mary's body except to believe that she had been unfaithful to him. 
And yet in the midst of this situation, this man shows us the way to how to handle misunderstandings or disagreements with our family. And that is to think on things and to ask God for direction, to not speak uh, quickly, to hold your tongue. Here he was, the Bible tells us, considering what he was going to do about this situation. So I would say to all of us in this morning, here this morning, as we're trying to blend families together, let's be careful to show grace to each other. Let's, let's take the example of Joseph and rather than shame somebody and call them out and publicly embarrass them, let's, let's do, do what we have to do in a private way, in a private manner. This was Joseph's intention. I'm going to do right things. I'm going to do right by you because I love you, Mary. He was thinking, you've been unfaithful to me and you deserve to be shamed. But I love you and because of my love, I will not shame you publicly. Oh, come on, families of New Life Church. Let's be careful not to speak ill of our family in public. Let's be careful not to shame somebody in public and even shame them in private. Let's be careful to extend grace. This love story of Joseph and Mary shows us a way to blend our families, to have blended love, and that is to extend grace, to do right things. Whether the person deserves it or not, Don Kling said this, showing grace to others is about being kind even when they don't deserve it. Even when they don't deserve it. Amen. Show kindness. Show grace. Even if someone doesn't seem to deserve it. This is what Joseph thought. She doesn't deserve kindness, but I'm going to give it to her. Amen. Some of the best advice I've ever been given is when I'm trying to reconcile something is to sleep on it. Just take some time. Step back. Keep your mouth shut. Come on. Keep your mouth shut. You can't, my mother used to say this to me all the time. Larry, if you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all. Oh, come on. Our society needs to hear that. If you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all. Keep your mouth shut. Even a fool. The Bible says is esteemed wise when he keeps his mouth shut. And this is what Joseph was doing. He was considering his options, what he was going to do. He thought, I'll put her away privately. I won't disgrace her. What if Joseph had gone ballistic? What if he had lost it? What if he had done what uh, protocol and culture told him to do? He would have shamed the mother of the Messiah. I don't know why it happened this way. Because in Luke chapter 1, uh, we learn that the angel went to Mary before all this happened. Before she was, was pregnant with the Messiah. The angel came to her. Now, it would have been, been easy, right? Since he was already down on earth to slip over a few miles over to where Joseph was and say, hey, Joseph, I want to give you a heads up. But Gabriel didn't do that, did he? God decided to let Joseph squirm for a while. Several weeks, several months. We don't know how long it was, but Joseph was not uh, clued into what was happening. 
But he showed his character by the way he responded to a misunderstanding. And so I declare to you, New Life Church families, we need to show understanding to people. We need to show grace. Even if we don't think they deserve it, we need to show grace. This is what I call just the grace attribute, a grace component of blended love. Let's show each other grace. It takes a hefty dose of grace to blend a family. A hefty dose to create blended, blended love. The second thing that we can observe in this couple, this love story that we have in Joseph and Mary, is that not only were they willing to do right things, but they were willing to do hard things. Hard things. Can you imagine this young couple engaged... They've got all kinds of dreams. I know we've got several engaged couples in, in the house this morning. All kinds of dreams and hopes and plans for your marriage. But what God was bringing to this family was not, did not fit into what they had planned for themselves. It was hard for them to say. It was hard for Mary to say to the angel, uh, be it unto me according to your word. It wasn't an easy thing for her to say because she understood the commitment that she was making to the plan of God. It was hard. And if we're going to keep our families together, there's some hard things that we have to do. There's some sacrifices we need to make of personal dreams and hopes and plans so that God can help us blend our families together. Do hard things. This is what I call the guts component. You've got to have the guts to do what's right sometimes and, and blend your family together and have the courage to step up and say, I'm going to do, do it even though it's hard. Joseph had dreams for his family. Mary had dreams. And this plan of God wrecked a lot of it. And when we bring families together, when we blend families together, I don't care if you're a nuclear family or a blended family or a, a single parent family, all these dynamics. And when we bring our families together, it takes the willingness to sacrifice personal dreams and personal ambitions for the plan of God or for the hope of this family, for, the, uh, for a dream to be blended together instead of just personal dreams. Amen. Oh, our society tells us we need to maintain our individuality. But I'm telling you, this love story of Joseph and Mary shows us there needs to be some personal sacrifices and willingness to do some hard things so that love can be blended together. Sandy Patty, you may recognize her name, but she wrote a book called Life in the Blender. And uh, this is what she said about blended families. Every blended family is born of loss. Every blended family is born of loss. And that is true. The loss of a marriage through divorce. The loss of a marriage through the death of a spouse. For the children, there is loss and hurt. Dreams shattered because... Of these things that happen to us. Every blended family is born of loss. But I want to declare to you this morning. That it does not have to remain 
in loss. It can push toward a blending of something that is a blessing. It can push toward a family that is blessed of God. It can become, because of the grace and the mercy of God, a family that is blessed. If we'll learn to blend. So Mary said, be it unto me according to thy word. The scripture also tells us in Matthew chapter 1 that Joseph did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took to him his wife. These were sacrifices they made so that they might blend their families together. It was the guts to do what needed to be done. I'm telling you, in this society, uh, it's it's, uh, a society that wants to tell us that uh, God and God's will is, is nothing for us to even consider. And yet I tell you here this morning, on this Sunday morning, we need to consider the will of God for our lives. As Joseph and Mary understood the priority of God's will for themselves and for their families, we too, as we're trying to blend families together and life together, we must prioritize the will of God for our families and make it something extremely important. When we have the guts to do hard things, blending a family is easier. The willingness to set aside personal dreams, the willingness to sacrifice for the good of the family. I have to tell you that uh, it takes time for families to blend. It does. It takes time. And sometimes there's a bit of resistance But when you learn to step aside and make personal sacrifices, God can bless your family. The third thing that we see in this love story of Joseph and Mary is they chose. Blended love chooses to do spirit-led things. To do spirit-led things. One of the definitions... uh, of the word gumption uh, is, is that it is a spirited initiative, a spirited initiative. In other words, you're uh, you, uh, willing to take the initiative to do something. And I would say this morning, if you would allow me to, I would like to define the word gumption like this, spirit-led initiative. This is a gumption component. If we've talked about grace this morning and we've talked about guts, we also need in our families, in our homes, we need some gumption to say to us, I will take initiative when I am directed by the Holy Spirit to do something. I will listen for the voice of God in my home as a father or as a mother or as a husband or as a wife. I will listen for the voice of God in my home. And I will direct my home by the promptings of God's Holy Spirit. Not only do we have to handle uh, some things, misunderstandings, and we have to handle some lost dreams, but we have to also handle abrupt and quick change that may happen in our homes. We've got to be willing to listen for the voice of God when God speaks to us. We've got to be willing to hear His voice. Neil Anderson said it this way, being filled and led by the Spirit may take you places you never planned. And I'd I'd like to just uh, change 
his language here because I, I will just tell you, it will take you places you never planned. But uh, as the saying goes, the will of God will never lead you into a place where the grace of God cannot keep you. You've got to be willing to do spirit-led things. Come on, families of New Life Church. We're strengthening our families today by looking at the life, the love story of Joseph and Mary and seeing some things that they did to guide their lives. Several times in the first few years of this family, of Joseph and Mary and Jesus, we are told that the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph and told him to go to Egypt, told him to leave Egypt at a particular time, told him to go to Israel and told him to the specific town that he needed to go to. I'm telling you this morning, if we will listen for the voice of God for our families, for our homes, for our marriage, we can hear those voices. God will speak to us. He will direct us. We may not have an angelic appearance uh, in our lives, but we've got God's wonderful and holy word that we can turn to. We've got the power of prayer and seeking God's face that we can turn to as families if we will but look to God for direction. I declare to you this morning that he will direct us and he will guide us and he will show us the way if we will but hear the voice of God and listen for it. Oh, Samuel. Look, Samuel was only a child. So we got some uh, young uh, men and young ladies here in the building this morning. Uh, Just children can hear the voice of God. So I declare to all the children in the building this morning, you can hear God speak to you just like Samuel did. God's got a word for you if you'll listen to him. To our young people, our young adults, you can be like an Esther who is raised up into a kingdom, into a society that was godless, but by the grace of God, she did the the calling of God and listened to the voice of God for her life and stood up and became the person God called her to be. God's voice is for all of us. He's speaking to us. Thank God for this wonderful book called the Bible. They can lead us and guide us. Thank God for the power of prayer. Thank God for the preached word of God that will save us. Thank goodness for that. It was by the preached word of God that the the understanding of my need for salvation and the understanding of my need to repent came to me. And thank God for the preached word that comes to us and declares to us what God's will is for our lives. So not only do we need to do right things and hard things, Oh, may, may it be said of every single person in this building, especially if you, some, some other life is dependent upon you uh, for direction. May it be said of us that we are endeavoring to be spirit-led. Spirit-led. To hear the voice of God. It is possible for God to speak to you. It is possible for God to speak to you, sir. It is possible for God to direct your life, ma'am. Let that be one of the greatest desires of your life, that you be spirit-led, that you be spirit-led. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning?
The leadership of Israel was changing. Moses is no longer the leader. He's died. And Joshua is standing before the nation of Israel. And he's declaring to that nation, look, I, I don't know what you're going to do. I, I, I'm calling you to a commitment. But I can tell you what I'm going to do and what my family is going to do. He says, choose you this day who you will serve. You got to make a choice. You got to choose to do right things. You got to choose to do hard things. Oh, may you, I implore you to choose, choose to be spirit led. It is a choice that we all have to make. And sometimes we need to be reminded. Maybe even if we've already made that commitment, maybe we need to remind ourselves of the great commitment that we have made. Joshua simply said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm drawing the line in the sand, and I'm declaring. This is how it's going to be for me. I'm going to resist some things in my home because I'm the priest of my home. God's called me to pray over my home. I'm not going to allow some things in my home. I'm not going to allow some spirits and some attitudes of this world to creep in. And when they do, I'm going to do war against those things. I'm going to intercede for my children and my family, my wife, my grandchildren. Oh, May the heavens hear me call, call their name out. Cry out for them. May the heavens hear you call your spouse's name. May the heavens hear you call your children and your grandchildren. Those that you love. May heaven hear you call their name. And may you stand as Joshua. And you, may you declare, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Jesus looked at his mother and he looked at John and he said, Woman, look at, behold, see your son. John, look at, behold, your mother. In just a moment, I'm going to call you to the front and this call is going to be a response to say, my home will be dedicated to the Lord. My home will be a home that is blessed. My home will be a home that does war against the evils of this society. I will not accept some things in my home. My home will be a home where the blessings of God reside. I make that commitment. And I say to you husbands in this building this morning, see your wife. See her, just like Jesus said to his mother and to John. I say to you, see your wife. Really see her. See your children, husband and father. Mother, see your husband. See him. See him. Parents, see your children. See them and understand the great privilege and responsibility God has put upon you. See them. And I simply ask you, will you, 
Will you accept the challenge to be the man of God, the woman of God? Will you do right things? Will you do hard things? Will you endeavor to be led by the Spirit? And if that's your, your desire, would you step forward to the front of this building uh, this morning and say, I commit myself as a child in a home. I commit myself to be Spirit-led. I commit myself to seek after the Lord. I commit myself to spending some time in prayer for my family. I commit myself to intercede for my loved ones, to intercede for them, to stand before God for my family. In the name of Jesus, there's no one too old or too young to, make, to not make this commitment. Oh, Lord, right now, right now, God, in the busyness, in the fast-paced life that we live, oh, God, may we choose blended love, we pray right now. May we choose the kind of love that blends together, that strengthens, that takes care of our homes and provides for our homes. I pray it in the name of Jesus. I pray it in the name of Jesus.